you think he was just there? It's like, oh, I really I really don't know what to do with my hands in this scene. It was like, Nick's just there. It's like, I got you, man. Who's got some Satsumas? <laughs> People calling me a narcissistic asshole. I warned you the press was going to spin it this way. You didn't wait long enough for the dust to settle. At least you haven't commented publicly. I just don't understand how my work can be construed as a negative. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Uncaged. We are... How many days in are we, Dan? 70s, 80s, something like that. This is 73, day 73. Oh, I thought it was so much further into the 70s than that. Maybe that was just wishful <laughs> thinking. Oh, I was convinced. I was thinking I went through the same thing. We hit 71 and I, all I was like, oh, like 78? <laughs> sure. The last few, and maybe it's just because of the era in Cage's career we're in. Maybe it's because of the current politics of the world we're in and the lockdown restrictions slightly being eased, etc. But the last few of these have dragged so much, man. I'm really struggling with this. It doesn't help that the films have gotten consistently worse, right? which I didn't think was possible. But with that said, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll touch on this in a bit, but I, I feel like today was a turning point. Interesting. Okay. Well, I'm in also interested to find out if our wonderful guest feels the same way. We've been spoilt rotten once again by company who will hopefully help lift the spirits and moods of this episode of the podcast. We're very thrilled to... Sorry, someone's doing parcel tape in the back of my house. So if you hear <laughs> ripping noises, it's not me pulling my hair out. We are very lucky to have interviewer of the stars. It's Miss Soapy Dobshaw. Welcome to the show. Hello, hello. Thank you for uh, having me on this. Now, what I thought was great is when we were, we were chatting away about you coming on the show, you've been in Hamburg for the last three or so months during the lockdown, correct? That is correct. Um, I honestly, I can't complain. I'm secretly like enjoying this. Um, Am I right in saying that this is the first time you've spoken English in quite some time? Dude, that's true. And like, it's, man, I don't, I don't even know. I'm in this like twilight zone of like somewhere in between like identity crisis and like nostalgia and me being back in my parents' house. It's like, I start to act like a kid again. And it's all, it's just really bizarre, man. But yeah, English isn't my native language and but at the same time, like I struggle with German too. I right. like for example, man, like the other day, um I ran into some neighbors in the um in the uh There you go. Lack of uh, <laughs> lack of vocab words. Like the hallway, like the entrance of our so we live in an apartment building, which is very common in, in German cities um or European cities. Um and so I saw some neighbors and they were chatting and then I went upstairs, said hello to them, went upstairs and passed by one of the neighbors that was chatting the house and uh, like a grandma was like poking out of the door and like looking at, I don't know what she was doing. She was probably, um, so that lady didn't live there. So it was probably like the mom of one of the ladies that was chatting and like, she probably heard like, oh, like, oh, she's coming home or whatever. This is like, this is the most like anticlimactical story ever. But <laughs> essentially I try, I tried to be like, oh, like 
yeah, she, you know, she got stuck downstairs talking to a neighbor. But, like, I didn't know how to say that in German. Like, it was literally, I could have said something charming. I could, I could have been like, oh, yeah, she's going to come upstairs in a second, blah, blah, blah. But, like, I just don't, because I don't interact with people anymore. Um, right, so it's a combination <laughs> of being home and speaking your first language that you're out of practice of doing, but also not having a lot of people to practice it with exactly because like <laughs> all the 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 amount of people i talk to uh is two it's my mom and dad and with them i speak very informally and um and i keep i just keep inserting english words and then like i try to tell them what it means if they don't know what it means but they also they have knowledge of the english language but um it's just, I mean, overall, it's just a mess, man. I don't... <laughs> well, listen, man, you're, you're doing great. And it's it's, plus, it's good to have you back. <laughs> plus, maybe this is a great segue. I'm, uh, I'm allowing myself to totally take over the, uh, the, the role of the host. Um, Please do. I also, I also haven't watched movies in English since March because here in right. Germany, the wow. movies are dubbed. So when I watch movies with my parents, they're all dubbed in German. So last um, last night or whenever I went, no, this this morning I finished the the movie. That was the first time since March that I watched a movie in English. So, and I mean, what a way to what a way to come back to your film career. I know, what a right? Debut. <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying to work out if this film was actually any good or if it's just because of the tribe that we've been watching that it was like okay in comparison it sounds like you warmed to it a little bit but i think maybe before we get into that and I, i'm genuinely interested to to learn a bit more about nick cage's impact across the world sophie <laughs> are you are you much of a, a nick cage fan have you watched many of his films before growing up in hamburg did you was he a name that's known over there as much um he's known as like an American actor. Um, I can't... Okay. I mean, he's not going to listen to us, so I am neither a fan nor have I... <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever watched a, a whole movie um, with him in it. I don't, I don't wow, think so I did. Wow, so this is your first real experience of I hanging out with that guy. I think this is my inauguration um, to, uh, <laughs> to Nicky Cage. I, I mean, I went through, like, his... Um, Filmography, yeah. I, I went through it quickly, and I I don't think I ever... No. Wow, that's great. I think most people have done at least one in there, but, I mean, I guess maybe it was a more of a regional thing. He was really pushed over in the UK a lot, but I guess it, it's English-speaking, so it makes a lot of sense. Interesting. Well, this is such a weird first film to see of his. Yeah. He is an actor <laughs> known for his, like big explosive performances and these these wild characters and this is a very subdued role for him for sure uh yeah i'll i'll tell you what i watched right before this i watched um i just typed in on youtube nicholas cage and i thought maybe i originally i wanted to watch an interview with him to see like what he presents himself as you know just as himself um and the first thing that came up was like Nicolas Cage freak out. Um, and yeah, so I clicked yep. on that and I was very amused. Um, that must have been so weird for you, though, after just spending an hour and a half watching <laughs> this man. It was. Raising his voice on screen to know that he can also do that. Exactly. Can you talk so, me through how that felt? Because you must have seen it's freak outs and you probably thought, 
okay, let's see what we get here. Yeah, that was def- I definitely saw a different side to his <laughs> talents um, as an actor. He, he seems to have a lot of different nuances and um, facets. Um, I mean, I, I don't think it helped that I watched this freak out compilation without any context. Uh, That's the best way, I think. Yeah. I saw him in, like, a lot of, like, ridiculous outfits and stuff and, like, um, just just being ridiculous in general. Uh, You know, having tantrums, cussing, screaming. Um, Oh, my God. I never thought of them as tantrums, but you're so right. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, there is such a childish Uh, element. Throwing himself on the floor. Yeah. Dan and I over the last 70 plus days have, have endured a lot, but it's it's always interesting when we experience a film like this that he is the complete opposite because knowing that he is capable of these these large scale yeah. loud tantrums, it's like a ticking time bomb oftentimes and I was I was sure that something like that was going to happen in this film, but he really just keeps it in the pocket the whole time, huh? Yeah, I don't yeah, looking back at it now, I don't think he really raised his voice. Can I can I just say one more thing though? Sure. I <laughs> I lost it when he started punching people like in the freak out compilation. Yeah. Uh, what was the one of one of the punch attacks is he's wearing a bear suit in it. What movie is oh, that? Oh, that's The Wicker Man. Oh my goodness. It's the remake of The uh. Wicker Man and that that scene makes no sense even in the context of the film. It's oh. just yeah, he he needs to uh, track down uh, like a child, so he decides he's going to disguise himself as a bear and just punch loads of women. It makes no sense at all. The film makes no sense at all, but I definitely recommend it to everyone. Oh, to you, okay, <laughs> and just women specifically. You just for some up reason, yeah. The, the island that he's on, yeah, for some reason he's on an island. It seems to be mainly inhabited by women at this point. It, it's the whole thing is very weird. What sort of genre would that fall under? <sighs> Terrible. So when we were <laughs> leading up to this, and I mentioned Sophie about watching The Runner, a film I'd also heard nothing of before. You specifically mentioned it's not horror, is it? Because I don't do horror. Uh, which is interesting, but well, I suppose a good a good way of finding out that I don't know much about your movie tastes. What kind of stuff do you usually watch, and where did the the runner land among that? The Lord of the Rings exclusively. Well, nice. That that has been my big obsession. Uh, I think I start. I watched the first movie, Fellowship of the Ring, also in German. Um, I don't remember now if I watched it in the cinema. Um, as I must have been 10 or 11, probably 11. Then I kind of like forgot about it. And then uh, my uncle came to visit us and he brought the extended version, DVD version of The Two Towers. <laughs> and that was it. I was obsessed. I watched all the behind the scenes. I watched everything. I started getting into, you know, um, it actually it actually really helped um because that I did watch in English because all the extras, the interviews and behind the scenes stuff, that was all in English. So um, me as like an 11 year old kid, like 11, 12 year old child, um, that really helped me uh, learn some words. And I even I remember, man, I was so proud. But in retrospect, it's just kind of awkward. Um, I learned a word 
and used it in my English class. Uh, and my my German English teacher didn't know it, and she like called me out on it. Balrog. No. <laughs> no, but it could have been, and I would have been like, "Bitch, how can you not know what Balrog is?" Um, it's a staple of of, of uh, film studies. Yeah. No, it was the word uh, warmongering. Ooh, and I, okay. but I used it. I used out. it in in a, in like a quite contemporary um, context. Like whatever, sub Warren, wherever. Um, you get me a D on my report, you're just warmongering. Exactly, <laughs> and I thought I'd knocked it out of the park. I thought I nailed it, and then she called me out in front of the whole class, and I was like, warmongering. <laughs> like that's not a real word, but like it's definitely a word. I, I heard like, an orc say it. It is exactly. <laughs> that's when you know, like yeah. <laughs> that shit is real. Um, we watched so, a yeah. Nick Cage movie a couple of weeks ago called Season of the Witch, that, which was basically a budget Lord of the Rings. So if you did want to dip your toe into some more of his films, that could possibly be a good way to uh, inaugurate yourself. Unless he plays an orc, I don't think I'm interested. I, I, I would suggest just watching Lord of the Rings instead. I to, agree. To be honest, I it, agree. it wasn't good. <laughs> yeah, I think, no, I think having him connect to my favorite movies, that's just going to be, that, it's going to make me angry. So I will pass. Nick Cage at one point was down to, he was in the running to play Aragon. Uh, Excuse me? No. Right? No. Probably the most upsetting fact I've ever heard. Dude. (laughs) It's shocking. Where? Okay, I need to to fact check that because that is upsetting. That is disturbing. It could have been anyone but Vigo. Let's be real. No, but anyway, no, we've talked about that yeah. before on this show, but I thought you're a person that would appreciate that knowledge. A hundred percent. With this narrow view, if you don't mind me saying that, of the of the film world, Sophie, <laughs> I was interested what your opinion of the two thousand maybe fourteen film The Runner was. What did you think of it? <sighs> Same. I mean I mean uh <laughs> I okay okay from an objective point of view I don't think um I don't think there's anything like uh, like heavy to like criticize like there's nothing controversial there's no controversial scenes in it or any uh impressive monologues or or um I mean, it, it, it is what it is. Let's just, let's just call it that. I don't, I also, um, the runner. So the, the, the title of the movie, the runner. Didn't you get it? Every time you start going like, why is it called this? They go, look, here he is jogging. Exactly. <laughs> it's just so, the- so funny that like when the title at the beginning, the runner finally comes up on screen, he's out jogging. And then right at the very end, he's like, the whole thing at the very end of this, and we're definitely jumping way ahead of the story, which we'll kind of circle back to in a moment. But right at the very end, he declares that he is going to run for Senate. And while he's making the speech declaring that, it's cut in alongside footage of him running. So what? for two different reasons, you're like, the runner. I oh. get it. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's, I mean, that's just... Dan, that's, you said you, smart. you had an okay time with this. I'd love to hear a bit more about your experience. Well, I, I don't 
this is what I was trying to work out beforehand is that I can't work out if this was just not as terrible as the other films that we've been watching or if this was actually okay. I mean, it's not the kind of thing I'd seek out. It essentially plays out like a budget house of cards. But at the same time, I don't know. I, I felt like it went quite quick. I actually quite enjoyed it. And I thought Nick actually brings in a surprisingly good performance. But again, I think that's maybe just in comparison to the innate levels of shit that we've seen him bring in the last few days. My expectations were extremely low, but I've got to be honest, I had a, I had a similar experience. The first like 30 minutes, I really enjoyed the pacing of it and the kind of intrigue around it. And I guess really at its core, it's a film just following this one character's political journey off the back of the BP oil spill. And there's a couple bits of drama that come along the way. But the second half of it, it just... It just goes in a completely different direction. Yeah, it it and it became it a lot longer. Kind of forgets what it was doing in the first place. It felt like. Well, I I think I was immediately gripped. I mean, this essentially opens with the BP oil spill, and then we have Nick Cage giving a speech on it, and he gets very emotional during it, being a Louisiana uh, kind of like local. And at that point, I just thought straight off the bat, that's the best acting we've seen Nick do in weeks. So I was yeah I couldn't argue. So I think that. I think that's what that's, got me, and I yeah. I was like okay I, I'm going to give this one but a the chance. The whole film is hinged on that is the point because he makes this impassioned speech and sheds tears on national television because he acts really well. That's the catalyst for the whole film, and that gives him the momentum to do it. So although I don't disagree with you there, it's sort of. He had to do that bit well, if that makes sense. Yeah, but I, I just think we've seen other films recently where he also needed to act well and just didn't bother. So, <laughs> I mean, you have to remember that he is literally being paid to act. So, yeah, yeah. You know, I just I expect him to show up now and then, and it's the first time I feel like he has done for a while. But yeah, I I thought it was a really strong opener. Um, I don't want to get too much into reviewing the film because I know that's uh, not what we do. Yeah, no, thank you. But yeah, I I just thought this was um. It's a different film to what we've had from him, but a much stronger return. I wouldn't necessarily say a return to form, but definitely on the right track. Sophie D, why don't you tell us a bit about what happens in the film The Runner? Ah, dude. Okay. For okay. Um, <laughs> disclaimer. Um, I mean, besides the fact I, I, I did fall asleep after the first um, 30 minutes. I, I fell had asleep a very during... very similar experience watching I've... the film. <laughs> <laughs> I fell asleep after, um, or dur- during the scene where him and his consultant are having lunch, um, and then I just, then just. This is a film that yeah. begs you to fall asleep during it. Let's be real. Yeah. Also, okay. They should play besides, this to toddlers. <laughs> <laughs> besides, um, besides the complete like lack of pop culture on my side like I think so I'm the kind of person that um I I guess I'm surrounded by people that know a lot about pop culture but I'm always without fault like the person that doesn't get references because I don't like I don't get it like I don't get sort of like pop culture phenomena and stuff that is one thing. So like if you're, so I'm, I'm going to be the fun sucker and be like, you're going to make a joke and you'll be all like, lol. And I'll be like, I don't get it. So that is one (laughs) thing. The other thing is, um, I'm extremely, uh, 
I don't know what it is with my attention span, but like, especially with like political sort of plots and, um, and decision making, and this means that this is gonna ha- gotta happen, and blah blah. Like, I am incredibly bad at like following the plot. Literally, I I lose the plot. So basically, I can give you a very vague, a very vague summary of like. <laughs> I'd love to hear from your memory what happens. <laughs> no wrong answers. Nick Cage is this Louisiana, I don't know if he's a governor, he's not a governor, a senator. He's a Louisiana senator um, trying to navigate the BP oil spill um, that took place where 11 people died, but he's also part of uh, um, a sort of NGO or some some sort of nonprofit organization um, that helps Fishermen and people working at the, uh, uh, is it a wharf? What is it? A wharf? Yeah. Silence. Okay. By the sea. Let's just say by the sea. Um, he is married to a beautiful woman who is also invested in his political career. Perhaps more so. If, if Lady Macbeth vibes, for sure. Um <laughs> Uh, unfortunately, he's not a smart man, and he he gets caught. Um, he has an affair with a 27-year-old cheerleader coach, um, and that is a big scandal. Because wouldn't you know it, she is the wife of one of the fishermen. Exactly, exactly. Yikes! That was a pretty, pretty good, like... I, I think I already went, oh, when I heard that, because that's not a good look, Nick. That's not no. a good look. Well, I think up until this, we're kind of portrayed Nick as like this kind of really idealistic, like progressive and actually approachable politician who uh, he has this idea of running for Senate at this point, but then this scandal comes out and completely stops him in his tracks. But um, it, it, it's weird to see, because you, you're shown two sides of this kind of man where he is a his politics side of it is a very honest politician which you know you kind of really want to support but the other side of him where he has these kind of alcoholic tendencies he's you know an adulterer and it's just there's no it completely blends the kind of who if you want to support this guy or not and i I think that's kind of the running theme along this entire film is is this actually a good person or is this just another politician and um, to skip forward a little bit towards the the end, he's kind of given this big decision again if he wants to run for Senate, but he has to take the money of a company who kind of goes against his ideals and he has to kind of let up on the idea of getting this money back from BP. And he, he ends up taking it despite being so vocally against it for what he calls a compromise for the greater good. But it does make you kind of uh, really question his, his morals on this. And that's why I'd like to know from each of you what you would say the morals of this story are. Hmm. I think taking a leaf out of Nick Cage's on-screen father in this, where after the scandals of his affair comes out, he seeks his dad's advice because his father, who is also a former politician, has experienced similar things in the past. And his dad basically says, yeah, it'll be fine. (laughs) And I think that's the moral of the story. Yeah, it'll be fine. It's wild that he gives that advice, and like, I'm sure you guys were kind of the same when you're watching it, just going, Oh, for fuck's sake, Like, c- come on, just just give an answer. Turns out he was right the whole time. He was like, just, yeah. j- just wait for a bit, people forget, no one really cares. Yeah, yeah, I was like, oh, I oh, right, okay. 
<laughs> That's they have this conversation on some rooftop. So Nick Cage's character and the guy who I see I don't I don't know who that was, but like the guy that gives gives him the money, the guy with the money. Um, oh, I'm so glad you brought that scene up. <laughs> maybe it's for the same reason, but you can go first. And he's he's he says a a, a very vulgar sentence that guy. And I look I. I'm I'm digressing. I looked that guy up and tried to find uh, uh, pictures of his younger self because the whole time I was looking at him, I was like, he was probably quite attractive back yeah, in the day. I think he, I've seen him in a few things. He's Have been you? In I've Man, he was in this show called Scream Queens with uh, Emma Roberts, who's great. And uh, yeah, I always thought that that guy's he's a real source. I've never really thought of him looking younger, but he's got a very a very hypnotic face. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Can you tell I've been locked inside for a while? <laughs> but he basically, he basically said, yeah, no one's gonna, no one's gonna care about you and no one's gonna, basically this, this whole thing is just a game. Uh, take it or leave it, blah, blah, blah. It'll, like you're saying, Benny P, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. People will forget and no one cares. And uh, he was like, oh, people will, remember you as a guy who uh had relations had relations <laughs> with a fisherman's well wife um if you know if, if they remember you at all after this yeah brutal so. and that scene would be so much more poignant if not at the very opening shot of that sequence where we see nick cage and this other gentleman whose name i can't remember barry big smile we'll call him Nick and Barry are up there and they're talking to one another and we see a long shot to establish the setting and you can see in Barry's hand at his side he is holding a perfectly peeled Satsuma and honestly it's there and I rewound to double check because I couldn't believe it and his hands are out of the frame for the rest of it but he is just fiddling away with this Satsuma that he's already peeled the whole time in the shot and then later on at the end of that scene as it goes to resolve Nick goes to shake his hand and this guy won't shake Nick's hand back because his hands are full of peel (laughs) and there is no reason no explanation for it but I think this is the ultimate power play against Nick that'll show him this is a Nick Cage manoeuvre because Dan, you'll remember over a year, uh, yeah, it feels like it, over a month ago when we watched Firebirds, a movie that is essentially helicopters with Top Gun, you knew what I mean, <laughs> Nick Cage does the same thing in a scene where he just is standing peeling a satsuma for the whole thing and never eats it. So no. I think this was a homage, which I appreciate. Th- yeah, it sounds like Do you think like he was a, just there like, like oh, I, really, I really don't know what to do with my hands in this scene. It was like, Nick's just there like, I got you, man. Who's got some Satsumas? <laughs> this one time, I did it for an entire scene. No one questioned it. <laughs> yeah, what do I do with my hands? This is perfect. Dude, I love that. I wonder why people don't um, do that kind of shit more often. Like, people can just keep, people can, should just fuck with the audience more. Because that kind of stuff is beloved. You know, like finding references or, you know, little Easter eggs and stuff. That's I it. It was just buried it. deep in the mix. And I think yeah. only a person that's watched Nick Cage film 70 days in a row would spot it. And <laughs> I was here for it. So I may well be the first person to document this. And it's, I don't uh, think there's problem. many wow. people in the world that have actually watched <laughs> The Runner and Firebirds, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> Not even Nick Cage. No. But I think, 
<laughs> I think not not to dampen your enthusiasm there, but um, with the amount of stuff that's out there on the internet, there's probably a website already dedicated to that, like Nick Cage yeah. and Satsumas. <laughs> SecretSatsuma.org. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's an organization. We've thrown a we've thrown a mixed bag at the film so far, and Nicholas as well. I think I think we all agree he did a fairly good job, but it was fairly restrained performance. But let's let's really lift spirits here a bit. Let's all take it in turns to be nice to Nikki. Sophie D, I'd love for you to go first here, man. Why didn't you say something nice about Nick Cage in this film? <laughs> My- <laughs> yeah. oh, yeah. uh- Okay, my favorite my favorite moment of the movie was um, when he visits his dad at the hospital, and his dad is being pretty dismissive, and he do, you know he doesn't he like pulls his hand back when he tries to hold his hand, he's pretty grumpy, and then he's all like, "Gosh, oh, turn off the uh, or turn the no, how do you say uh, pull down the pull down the blinds or whatever." And Nick gets up and immediately knows where the button is or how to operate the shutters that they, you know, he just, he, he, he jumps into the air and he pushes that button and he operates those blinds. I mean, the sheer confidence, if like. Anyone else would be like, okay, give me a sec. Uh, Exactly. Like uh, fiddle around, see if it works, you know, manually, like how, you know, just how you operate their shutters in, in a, in a hospital room that you've never never been into and the and the the um the button is is located next to the next to the hospital bed so like was that an attempted i don't know like i wouldn't just go around pressing random buttons in hospitals especially when they're located <laughs> oh, next you to think the he bed was trying to pull the plug was at he? his dad who gave him that awful advice that turned out to be good advice <laughs> i mean <laughs> not to put a conspiracy theory out there it's but the determination uh, with which he, uh, you like, know, yeah, I'll shut the blinds for good. Exactly. Who knows? Um, so that, yeah, I, I think I just applaud his uh, his confidence there. That was a pretty uh, <laughs> in trying to assassinate his father. <laughs> Possibly. I mean, you never know. I would like to be nice to Nikki myself here, and I I just love the bit where he's having the stressful bit. He's starting to be hounded by the press a little bit, and he just kicks his feet up, takes his shoes off, puts them up on the, on the rest, leans his head back and is just listening to a vinyl record and that's how he cuts loose and damn, I respect it. Yeah, Dude, I'm not going to lie, I don't, I don't remember that's that. It. I don't remember that part. I was really into it's it. It's like very early on as a scandal hits and he's just trying to kind of, it's more escapism again, I guess. Um, I, I think this is a, a difficult one to really find much. I mean, we already touched on uh, his acting at the beginning of this, but I don't really want to go into the fact that Nick Cage as an actor managed to act but there's one thing that I did find to be quite amazing and there's a moment where his character he's in this kind of strange relationship towards the end with I'm not sure what her role was beforehand she was some kind of party kind of I was calling her his advisor. Yeah, okay, an advisor it, makes I don't sense. Know if that's accurate. It's um yeah. the, the character's called Kate Haber, is brought to the screen by Sarah Paulson. But he has this kind of romance with her. He he phones her to then realise that she's back with her husband and they have this kind of weird breakup where he asks her if she loves him and she shakes her head and he reacts as if he's heard something. And I love <laughs> that I think we're seeing 
some of the best kind of telepathic acting in Nick's career here. Dude, I re- yeah, I remember that scene being quite confused about. Um, I like legit in in her <laughs> in her situation. I would have been like, because she says she says something like, "Oh, tell me it's not true," or "Tell me blah blah," and I legit like wouldn't have understand. I wouldn't have understood. Wow. German, English. Um, I wouldn't have understood like what he meant. Like I know it's supposed to be this like poignant sort of um, uh, whatever sassy thing that yeah, you say to not each a other. Lot of dialogue in that sequence, really. Yeah. There's probably yeah. about less than twenty words exchanged, but it's yeah. meant to be the big emotional beat of the the whole thing. Yeah. Do you love him? But that's what got me. Is it's one of those things where it's like it. It's an incredible scene. They both act it out really well. But then when you like the way they play off each other, and then you have to remember that it's a phone call and they can't see each other. So it's like that they're reacting to things that haven't been said, or it's so weird. I would have been like, "What do you? What What do you mean?" I think she was just doing it best and saying nothing at all, and he knew what that meant. Silence speaks volumes. Best. (laughs) Will you say nothing at all? Did that ever make over to Germany? Oh, big time, big time. You can. You can uh, you can imagine how excited I was when I was asked of work to cover an event, some like radio event where Ronan Keating, Ronan. Um, ca- yeah, came over uh, and had like a a breakfast party or something. Um, oh, lucky! With, at at I mean, this company, that man's song "Life Is a Roller Coaster," one of my favorite songs. Is it? It is a huge hit. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. It's- it's a banger. Always puts me in a good mood. I I connect him with like the sort of to like late late nineties, maybe early two thousands sort of Julia Roberts rom coms. Oh my god, because he's got those curtains. <laughs> he's got curtains. Everyone in those. Well, definitely how I remember in my mind's eye is he's got blonde curtains. Ah, uh, like, oh no. One of those movies did. <laughs> oh no, I'm more. No, no, I've I've progressed to like. Frosted tips, sort of look, Ooh. but no, but he, but his song was actually in um, Notting Hill, I think. Right, right. Yeah. Oh, so that's the kind of film you like as well, then, huh? Lord of the Rings or rom coms? That's. I mean, there's nothing if only in between. The two yeah. could merge. I mean, that sounds perfect. <laughs> Lord of the Roms comes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no it's no. I, I like it. I like a bad pun. I, it's great. Um, no, well. I think at this point they've they've um, achieved this sort of cult status that definitely like I would watch Notting Hill. I would watch uh, uh, what is it? Four weddings and a funeral. Um, yeah. Oh, it's a classic. Yeah, it, it reminds me of simpler times. You know, when back in the day when I didn't know English and I used to watch these movies in German and I wouldn't understand any of the innuendos or. Uh, <laughs> and any of these things, you know, just the innocence of a 10-year-old child. Of beautiful people interacting on screens. Exactly. <laughs> that's all it was, for sure. But that's funny. People like people say the best films are the ones you watch again and understand in a whole different way. And you really very <gasps> literally had that because Yo. you were just learning the language more. <laughs> yes. I will tell you one thing. The best, okay, the, one, one of the cult movies, or the cult movie probably of my childhood is uh, Robin Hood Men in Tights. 
please tell me you yes. watched it. Oh, yeah. yeah Have you watched it? Many, uh, many times. <laughs> okay, but I will tell you one thing. Like, that movie, legit, is one of the few movies that is way funnier in German. Because they built okay. in... They build in extra jokes and like the the voices, the the dub voices are just a lot more kind of vivid and comical. Um, and there's a bunch of things that like I, I and I, I still probably could watch it today and discover something new that I just didn't pick up on when I was a baby. So um, shout out to uh, the sheriff. Oh, see, so it's sheriff of Rottingham, but in in German it's sheriff of Nottingham, which I realize is less funny, but everything else about that character <laughs> in German is a lot funnier. Um, they had to take one for the team at least. Ah, oh, man. <laughs> Especially like the man, the like wart twisters and all that stuff. Amazing. Okay, shout out to shout out to Men and Tights. Okay. That's so my it's quite quite amazing. I mean, Sophie, we've we've only been catching up a little bit recently, but I can't believe I didn't think to mention it to you. Off the back of doing this podcast, Dan and I have been lucky enough to get in contact with with Nick Cage and some of his team, and no. they actually reached out to us and offered us a job. No, frankly, well, you're playing with me. We know the man very well at this point. We know the kind of work that he does well in and the work he doesn't do as well in. So we've actually been employed as members of his cagency. And I'm reading here in my notes, you've got a film you've been working The Runner, it's called. It's unclear why it's called that. Hopefully you can bring some light to that. But yeah, I wondered if you wanted to pitch this new script, The Runner, to us for our client, Nick Cage. Yes. What's the right answer here? Yes, uh, yes, of course. Which can you can you tell us why you why you think that uh, that Cage would be interested in playing this role? Of uh, has the character got a name? Are we are we sticking with Colin Price? I believe. Yep, that's the <laughs> one. Um, <laughs> that's the name. Um, so okay, what's the what's the game plan here? He's sitting across from me, or is this? No, a, well, we're we're gonna we've got him on speed dial. Should we need right or maybe right. text because neither of us can do a very good impression yet. Yeah, but, you know, just just let us know and then we'll bring it to him. And we're kind of Caesar here. We can give the thumbs up or the thumbs down whether this project's gonna go forward. So you need to bring your A game. Quite frankly, Dan and I are we are big shot Hollywood executives at this point. You're very lucky to be having this meeting with us. <laughs> right. if I'm being totally honest with you. So uh, right. Let us know why we should care. Listen, this uh, this new blockbuster uh, working title, The Runner. You might wonder why it's called The Runner. Well, um, <laughs> working title, The Jogger. <laughs> the Jogger. And um, I mean. Big shot, big, whoa, just almost pulled down my microphone. That's, that's how excited I am. Uh, uh, big, big shot guy, big Joe Biden glasses guy, man of the people. He, uh, he's, the, he's the man. He knows how to speak to a fisherman and also uh, screw his wife. But also, he's got two other banging babes in the back of his entourage. Interesting. We have been looking to get more Nick Cage sex scenes back on screen. Will we get any of them in this? That's so. That's actually funnier saying that. Um, according <laughs> what to what you get, yeah. <laughs> according to a, a, a survey, this is exactly what the people want. I mean, that banging 
dad bod. Uh, <laughs> we know there's, we know there's, you know, the luscious, great chest curls. Um, they're just, uh, they're just waiting to spring out at the audience. Um, and I, and I, I think that the world needs to know what's inside Nick Cage. <laughs> and this movie is gonna show him in a lot of different ways. You'll get the chance to cry a lot. I think we've we've got everything on our favor at this point. You know, House of Cards is pretty much down the pan. We need a new Kevin Spacey, and Nick Cage is up for the role. Wow. We are able to. F- <laughs> like, everything's got to be on the up from there. How can you possibly do worse? <laughs> yeah. And here comes wow. Cage. <laughs> so we have a budget that we're able to free up of, for this film of six million dollars. But I would love to know, Sophie, how we are going to do on this film. Are we going to break even? Are we going to double our money here? Or are we looking at a hard loss? Oh, double. Triple. I mean, Whoa. did you... Did, I mean, it's a low budget, so it's just, it's it's doable. It's. I mean, 100%. I think you're going to be more than satisfied about the financial return. Um, you have my word on this, and... Uh, I'm feeling good about this. I'm just gonna. I, I'm just. I've. I've got the contract ready. Um, You've got the contract ready. I <laughs> <laughs> love that confidence. I've, That's such a power I've got, play. I've got the yeah. Contract uh, in one hand and a tangerine in the other. A tangerine in the other. Um, <laughs> I'm just stamp it on the line. <laughs> what can I say? I'm. I'm more than. More than confident. Um, available for any further questions you may have. <laughs> ben, how do you feel this is gonna do? From six million dollars, oh, this this is going to make a stinking loss. We're going to be lucky to scrape three million on this. Three million? Serious? Uh, l- let me let me tell you right now. You wish you made three million from this. Oh, oh no! <laughs> this is bad. This oh, comes no. in worldwide gross ninety three thousand dollars. Oh my <laughs> god! Under a hundred k. Oh my god, Nick. Nicholas. This man once won an Oscar. <laughs> now he doesn't have enough pull to make back six million. Really? Okay. Um, I think that's about all I've got in me to talk about this film. Yeah. Sophie, I want to thank you for your time and your enthusiasm today. We appreciate you enormously. I mean, you're so awesome. Yeah, thank you so much. You've definitely lifted the uh, the energy of we this. We have a pretty bad habit of inviting people onto the show and then accidentally just talking over the top of them. So, in order to counteract that, we invented a new segment called Gone in 16 Seconds, where we give you 16 seconds to talk about whatever you want to talk about, and your time starts now. Why 16? I mean, I think that's really the big question I'm asking myself. Is it because you can take the root from the number or no oh you're not talking i'm the only one talking okay great well, well power I, always comes a at a fail. price sophie so interesting to hear about the stuff you've been working on man thank you again for your time we appreciate you daniel thank you also for your time mate pleasure as always yeah i feel like this has been a you know like i said it's not quite the return to form that we're looking for but it's definitely a step in the right direction um not so much on the financial side but i think i think we're going to get back Sophie, mate, wonderful to have you on the show. And sorry, D- for what? For t- for for confronting me with the reality that is Nicolas Cage's face. Because <laughs> that ultimately, that's the only thing I could think about the whole the whole time. It's just his face. Something we used to ask guests on here that I 
for some reason we stopped asking is, did you have a nice time in Nicolas Cage's company? And would you go on a second date? Is this a for real question right now? Yeah. Would you watch another Nick Cage film based off this? Dude, honestly, I mean, if he's the pull factor, no. Um, if he's <laughs> like, if he like appears in the movie that I chose based on something else, then possi- possibly. But okay, honestly, the bottom line for me throughout all of this was just how weird it is to look at his face. Um, cause it like, cause I don't see like an actor. I see the meme. I see the weird ass like helmet haircut that he's dyed black. I'm pretty sure for this movie. It's so funny hearing these same things repeated every day by yeah. people because it clearly, it clearly goes to show that there's a common denominator. I, I've almost just got so weirdly used to it at, at this point. But it's always nice to get a reality check from some of the outside to be like, no, 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 he's weird. No, he's weird. He, like, I, so I always think that he looks like Marilyn Manson. That's one thing. Um, And the (laughs) other thing is, check it out. I Googled it, and there's actually other people that have pointed it out. There's a comparison. It's true. Um, And the second thing is, I always think of, like, the deep fake thing. Like, his, just his face being used for stuff. (laughs) <laughs> and how and that made that all man it just made the love scenes just so disturbing man like i i don't i don't think i've ever been this uncomfortable watching love scenes well i think that's a good place to end it as any goodbye everybody bye <laughs> see you guys